Hello and welcome to a special edition of the In The Money Players podcast. Haven't done one of these in a while with me roaming the globe. Not really roaming the globe, roaming the United Kingdom far more accurate. But I'm back with you in the Brooklyn bunker once again, PTF here. And we are ready for the next edition of a very popular show that we do from time to time. This is the Pro Player Diary, and that pro player is with us now. He is Sean Borman. Sean, how are things and where are you? Uh, things are good, man. Things are things are very good. It's good to be back on the on the pod. I, I've gotten a few uh, emails saying where where are where is the pod, <laughs> which is nice to you know the the dozen nice or so people, people that listen us. actually enjoy it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah I've gotten no, a few of those are, myself. Things are good. I'm I'm actually in um, Glen Arbor, Michigan, on a little family vacation. Beautiful. It is, is it, what, it is beautiful. Yeah, there's there's tons of lakes. It's nice and cool. Um, no humidity. It's it's very nice. And that sounds better than Lexington or New York City or, or Saratoga uh, o- over the course of the last weekend where we've just been being uh, in the city here. We're just inundated this weekend. But uh, happy to know that a lot of that Miss Saratoga. Happy to know you're doing well up there with the family. We have so much ground to cover. Um Let's hit the ground running. I know you had a significant uh, horse playing event since the last show. Take us back. The last time we talked, you had, you'd really think it felt like things had started to turn around. You'd had, uh, you'd had a nice result in Hong Kong with a, with a betting partner. And you were sort of looking forward to uh, maybe the end of the, the Hong Kong season, which I guess wraps up this weekend. And then thinking about getting involved in Saratoga. What, what's happened to you since? Yeah. Um, so th- yeah, it seems like um, since really since Derby weekend, things had sort of started to shift in, in my favor. Finally, after a long, long stretch, um, we had that nice score in the six up. Um, and then you know I hadn't done I hadn't done great um, between that and then and the next one I'll talk about. But it, you know things that that started seeing the ball a little better. I thought. And, I was picking plenty of good winners and, and stuff like that, but not connecting on many exotics still. Still, but you know, I felt much better about you know the, the state of my play and, and the way business was going. Um, and you know, really, like you said, I, I was really looking forward to the end of the Hong Kong season. I was just sort of burned out on taking trips and figures and just ready for a, for a little break. So I sort of decided I was just going to let the, you know, the, the work that I was a little behind on, there was only about three or four meetings left in the, in the season when I made this decision, I, I just decided I'm just going to let that go and just focus on betting, you know, those last couple of meetings as smart as I could bet them. Um, and then, you know, just start getting ready for Saratoga. Cause that's, it's just a very natural progression. Hong Kong ended yesterday morning. You know, okay. So it ends right as Saratoga starts, basically. Um, and then Saratoga ends right when Hong Kong picks back up. So it's a nice little um, break from Hong Kong, but it goes right into Saratoga, which I'm interested in. Um, so, you know, I, I sort of shut down my workload, but just I was still, still betting two weeks ago at this point, a week and a half ago. Um, 
I don't know, it was Friday afternoon, whatever, whatever week that was. And, you know, I started looking at the sequence and, you know, very quickly, you know, I did my first little sort of cursory look at the first leg and, you know, like three horses jumped out at me having like a figure edge. And then in the second leg, there was a horse that just leaped, you know, leapt off the page at me. And I just immediately said, you know, that's a single and moved on. And then, you know, I went through the sequence for, you know, five or 10 minutes and, and, you know, found that one horse I thought was a single and I thought the rest was manageable. Um, so I decided I'll, I'll play this thing. Um, this was the last day gonna, of Belmont. Was, Is that right? I had, it was what? This was the last day of Belmont. Was it a mandatory or, or I'm, I'm trying to remember it wasn't the, the day. last day. It was, it was, I think it was the Friday before those big uh, turf stakes, before the like Belmont Invitational or whatever the hell they call it. Gotcha. And um, was there a carryover or were you just looking to look? No, there was a carryover. I think there was like a $140,000 carryover maybe. Gotcha. Um, and that's the only reason I looked. I, I wouldn't have paid any attention if there wasn't a carryover. Um, so... You know, I decided I'll play this sequence, and then I started thinking about, you know, how to play it and how to structure it. Um, so I decided on that first, you know, one single in the second leg. And the rest of it really looks sort of chalky to me. I didn't think there was, you know, it looked like it could come, you know, first choice, first or second choice first you know it just looked very logical logical and i didn't really want to play it to come logically um because you know as we talk like you know you can press your logical opinions as much as you want but you're not going to be as efficient as as some of those groups um so it just i didn't want it to you know if it comes like a a b a c a i, I don't want that ticket so I started thinking, like, how can I play this for not that much money? But if I hit it, I can really hit it. And there was a stake that day. Um, for, I think the three-year-old um, turf stake. I'm so bad about these names. This is where we need Tamaro to just come in here and tell us <laughs> what the hell I'm screwing up because I can't remember. I'll I can't remember up. the names of these right. But, you know, Pletcher had... Uh, the you know his three-year-old turf horse in there that was pretty fast and chad had one in or maybe two and i think suge had one in um and then sherry devoe had a horse that you know who was light on figures but had good late pace numbers and really had legitimate sort of excuses in in his last two to More where i thought look. More than more than list. What you're talking about, correct? Yeah. The race is the Grade Three Manila. If folks want to go and, and and look, yeah, that's right. Um, Who needs Nick Tamara when you have me? That's right. <laughs> um, so, you know, I I finally settled on Sharita uh, more than looks as sort of the the only real sort of value separator in that whole sequence. And I ended up on my main ticket. I ended up saying, if 
I guess I should back up to the fourth leg. Linda Rice had a horse in the fourth leg that was, you know, very short on the morning line. Looked like it almost had to win at a short price. And, Devil's K. Right. It's the one horse, if I remember right. And yep. so I said, if, you know, if I get live to the fourth leg and Linda wins, then I have to have more than looks win the Manila Stakes. Um, and I'll just use logicals everywhere else. And so, you know, I ended up on my main ticket having like three singles. I had you know, the horse I really liked in the second leg, a singled Linda, and then a singled more than looks. And then I came back for a little bit of money and said, if Linda gets beat, that really opens up the payout potential. Then I'll come back and use a few more logicals in the in the stake, you know, and try to try to really work. But I didn't want it to come you know, top two choices in the first leg, my single win, even though my single was like, my single was eight to one in the morning line in the, in the second leg, but there were four scratches and then it had a pace advantage. So I really didn't think that horse was going to offer the value ultimately that I initially thought it was going to offer. Yeah. Seven um, to two in the end, bring me a check. Seven to two right. In the end. Yeah. right. Um, you know, I just didn't want it to come, logically have Linda win at three to five and then have Pletcher win the stake at, you know, two to one or eight to five or whatever. And then it just wasn't going to pay anything that way. So I just structured it to where that I took out those possibilities on my tickets. Um, and so, you know, I got live to, I got live to more than looks got lucky to have him get up and win and then had, about seven horses covered in the last leg um, from anywhere from 50,000 to 350,000 and, and got one of those home and, and cashed for 104. Nice. Diamond status, the one that ultimately did it. Another another seven to two shot. So in the middle, third choice. So I imagine in the middle of that price range. Yeah, 100,000. That's, that's tremendous. That's tremendous. Even as you tell the story, it, it strikes me as how hard it is today as opposed to what it once was in the sense of like, I feel like that bring me a check. There was a point at which bring me a check, seven to two, fourth choice in a field of six. There's a time at which that would have been a separator. But I think you're right in the modern game, probably, you know, for the, the people putting all that money, the computers putting all that money in a mandatory pick six day, probably have that horse as just around the price in the picks not you know you're not getting you didn't necessarily get obviously you get some juice from a horse like bring me a check singling but it's not it probably what wasn't enough to get you know an outsized payout I mean, what what were you surprised at how good that payout was i mean is this the rare case of you feel like it paid more than it should uh, yeah i was a little surprised um i i, I do think I, well, I was mainly surprised that bring me a check was the fourth choice in that race. Like I, I really thought they would find that horse when the, when all the scratches came out of that race. Um, so I do think he, he helped juice it a little bit, but I really think it was more than looks who I think was probably fifth or, you know, fifth choice in that, in that stake race. Fourth. But significant fourth, because there, there was so much money for Nagarok, Major Dude, and Talk of the Nation. So, 
you know, with them between with, with them at three to two, two to one and, right. and three to one. Um, yeah. You picked up some picked up some equity in a big yeah, way. So I, I think a lot of people probably looked at that race and said, I can get through this race with Chad, Suge, Pletcher, you know, three deep. And I've got plenty of coverage where, I you know, I think he really needed to go five deep at least um, to really get a good to get a good payoff. Yeah, I was I was pretty surprised at, at what it paid. Um, I, it's funny. I was actually not even really working that day. I was on the golf course with a friend of mine <laughs> and we had already, you know, we'd planned to play. So I took my laptop with me and just sort of put this all together on the course. Um, (laughs) so we got to we got to golf and you know we'd pull it every time a race went off and they'd watch it on the phone and it just so happened we got to 18 green going and so we pulled over and you know went sort of crazy interrupted their fucking you know their backswing and everything but they they could tell it was gambling related and so they got excited and were just like, what did you hit a parlay? What's going on? What's going oh, on? Great. <laughs> and, um, and then I still didn't really, you know, I was excited to be alive and, and knew it was going to be a, a decent little hit, but I had no idea it was going to be what it ended up being. Oh, um, that's great. Until I, you know, I still had the phone out and, and they were cycling through the will pays on this, you know, Saratoga feed. And as soon as they brought up the pick six will pays, it was time to go to the paddock. So they just flashed it up there for like a second. And, you know, I had seven horses. So I just started at the top and I saw the one was paying like 24,000. And then it went away. And I was like, shit, I don't, you know, but I saw 24,000. I had a $6 buy. So I was like, holy shit, like this is, like this is a serious score about to happen, baby. So we went in the clubhouse and convinced that guy to turn uh, turn JK on Fox, and we got to watch it there with this random dude in the clubhouse. Um, it was really it was it was fun. It was one of the best uh, best overall days I've had in, in quite a long time. Oh, that's so great! How much did you put into the pick six? Uh, so I bet, and I guess I should clarify. I I, I cash. I bet uh, fifteen hundred into the pick six. And had it six times and got back ninety thousand out of that. And then I also played a, a late pick three um with that horse. So I put another four hundred into that and got back fourteen and a half out of that. So the whole the pick six score was just just nice. Well, that's just an amazing result and you have to feel you have to feel really good. I mean it's interesting the sort of 3d chess element of the way you put the, the the ticket together there but i mean that that to me sounds like what you got to do if you want to play um these days especially in a day like that with a carryover where you know there's going to be so much efficiency and in, in computer money you've got to figure out the situations where somebody else is trying to lock up the race with three you know that 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 example i mean to have to have two situations where you know you're you're getting in with horses that the rest of the world isn't fully leaning on. I mean, that feels like what unlocked that level of payout. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was the, the whole key to it was sort of the, the game theory behind it. Not, not really the handicapping. Um, 
I mean, the handicapping was fine, but it, I wouldn't think it was exceptional by any stretch, but it was the way I structured it, you know, really unlocked that big potential. Yeah, that's 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 tremendous. And what what happened since then? Did you say did you say, OK, I'm going to chill now to the beginning of Saratoga or did you did you uh, did you continue to play those last couple Hong Kong days and, and the and the beginning end of Belmont, et cetera? I've um, I've played some. I've made just sort of very small bets. I took took most of that money and, and stuck it away somewhere. Um so I didn't go, you know, the zero to 60 rule. I, did, I made sure I didn't nope. go straight to 60. I'm idling around 15 right now. Um, <laughs> made, you know, I just just made a couple of win bets in Hong Kong on horses I liked. Um, played, you know, I think I played opening day at Saratoga. I made two bets and, and near missed on both of them. So I just sort of sort of shut it down, but sort of sort of not. It's. You know, it's a nice feeling. I can now. I'm sort of in a position to where, you know, I can I can play Saratoga now when I want to, and not ha- when I have to. Um, and I can sort of take it easy until Hong Kong starts back up in September. You sent me a text on opening day at Saratoga about a favorite you thought was weak. Is that the kind of thing you're looking for? Just situations that dr- the market just draws you in rather than. You're not going through the form necessarily and saying, okay, I mean, maybe if one leaps off the page, you'd say, here's a horse I have to bet. But just, you know, just trying to pay attention to what the real opportunities are. And, and obviously in racing, very often those come from uh, come from weak favorites. Right. Yeah, that's, that's sort of exactly what I'm going to do is, you know, my plan is to just, you know, roll through each day. I'm, I'm very bad about actually – taking time off and relaxing like I can't it's just not in me to not look at these cards so I'll roll through each one very quickly and if I see a horse I think they're going to bet that I don't like I, I might look a little further um, or if I see a horse that just leaps off the page at me um, that's just screaming hey bet me then I'll I'll look some more but um, otherwise I'll just just take it easy um, it was funny when we were when we were on the golf course that day, my, my friend said, you know, I was telling him about the pick six. And he said, well, how much time do you usually spend looking at these things? And you know, I was like, it just, it just depends on this one in particular. I probably didn't spend more than 20 minutes at the, on the whole sequence. In terms um, of handicapping. In terms of handicapping. <laughs> and I just, you know, I was telling them like, you know, this horse in the second leg just, just screamed at me single me and move on and then the rest of the legs just look the sort of the same way like i can use these few horses they've all got figure edges they've all got you know projected good trips and and solid connections and just you know i was just sort of telling him like my roi on bets that just scream bet me is extremely high and my roi on bets where i have to sit there and grind and sort of overthink things and it is probably much much lower actually i know it's much much lower yeah um so that's what i'm just going to focus on is just if something yells at me you've got to make this bet and just make the bet and, and if nothing does that i'm just going to go on with life and, and do other things until until hong kong starts back up yeah well, i think um, that makes a ton of sense you will be in saratoga i'm sure you'll 
your discipline will be a little bit loosed for that. Uh, I think <laughs> yes, it will. I'm, yeah, the, the, I'm coming up for Travers Week, and I'll, I'll definitely actually work that week. I think um, to some extent. I don't know. Were you were you right about that horse on opening day? I can't remember which horse it was. I do see a couple of short priced six runners won. So I'm wondering if you, uh, um, if, if, you if, if you went in there and 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 took a knock. I think I was wrong. I think that horse did win. I can't remember honestly. I mean, Yarrow was a three to one six horse that won that day. Dust Devil was sub two to two to one. Oh no, Dust Devil wasn't the six. It wasn't that one. Um, but there was one other that I thought it could have been. Honestly, don't remember. Um, <laughs> I don't remember. I remember not cashing tickets, so I, I'm going to assume <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> uh. But yeah, I mean, I, that that when when you can be disciplined enough to do that. I mean, the, my problem is, and I, for whatever reason, I've been a lot better about it this year. But I, sometimes it's. Uh, I'm much better about that in my office than I am when I physically get to the track. That's, that's where it gets, that's where it gets tricky to, you know, end up. It's this thing we've talked about before that like when you, and I mean, this is just DG stuff, but when you bet, when you're used to betting a lot, even your action bet for it to like mean anything to you, I tend to bet too much. You know what I mean? And, and, when I can avoid that, I do so much better. When I avoid that, that is the number one trap for me. Yeah, no, I, I do the same thing. I can't, I can't make a twenty dollar bet anymore, and, and I'd rather just not make that bet. Um, it just doesn't yeah. do anything for me. And it, so, yeah, when I'm up there, Travers Week, it's going to be. I well, I know for a fact I, I'm not going to be able to just look at the card and say I want to bet this one race and do anything because you know i'll be sitting there with nick and marshall and those guys like we'll just be betting <laughs> you know um so i'll have to watch my watch my limits for sure that we yeah i mean it might be the kind of thing where you i mean for me if i were you in that situation i might set aside a, like almost a half an entertainment budget as well as whatever i was going to do seriously to 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 not even have to think about it as a, you, you, i wouldn't want to mess with my my brain or my process if i know i'm going to be a little bit loose do you ever operate that way or do you keep the, the theory of just having your loss limit for the day and, and and just maybe altering that as opposed to having a separate action kind of budget so you were asking if i um use a separate sort of bankroll for for trips like that correct yes yes um yeah to some extent i will I, i'll sort of set a little trip uh, the whole trip budget um and say i don't want to lose more than x amount on this trip um not counting like food and lodging and stuff that's i just treat that separately but yeah i'll, I'll sort of i'll sort of set aside a little bit of a little bit of money for for stuff like that for sure i don't necessarily stick to it all that well but um, that's just the that's just the nature of my play is loose limits i guess no i think it i i can i can argue it either way depending on how serious you are and what your goals are but i definitely think that you know when you're when you're traveling having like a little more of an entertainment budget definitely i, I would have no problem with somebody who did that as opposed to like you know, the, the, the more serious uh, gambling money. Yeah. And it's sort of the last couple of years when I've come up for, for Travers week, 
it's so late in the meet and it's so close to the beginning of Hong Kong starting, I've sort of treated it as like, you know, I need to get back into get the muscle memory of betting going again and, and need to get back into, you know, more serious um, thinking and, and wagering. So it's, I, I sort of treat it that way at this time of year, the t- the years I've come up earlier, not so much, but. Do you have any general tendencies about a meet like Saratoga? Inter- I know there's some people who really want to watch a couple of weeks before they get busy. Others who want to try to capitalize on any short term fluctuations they can catch early and try to hit the ground running. You Are you a tortoise or a hare or, or is it really not about that for you and just about the other stuff we were talking about in terms of what leaps off the page? Well, it's sort of evolved over the years. I mean, I used to definitely, you know, get really excited about the meet and sort of dive right in and um, to varying degrees of success. Um, but nowadays, I, you know, as I've, as I've gotten older and, and honestly, as I've gotten to where I don't enjoy like serious gambling every day of the week anymore, um, I just sort of ease in and, and just sort of spot play it especially since I've started focusing more on Hong Kong. It's not, um, it's not the focus. Saratoga is not the focus for me that it used to be. Right. But, you know, I'll still, you know, I've, like I said, I'm going to look at it every day. And then once Del Mar starts, I'll probably glance at that every day just to see if there's anything um, that, that needs to be investigated further. Or, or, or Will not, you keep so. up? Will you keep up doing numbers and trips for those for those circuits, or are you going to rely on public data at this point? You know, I've gotten very lucky um, recently, and and it's mainly through this show. I had uh, had somebody reach out to me, and um, just you know, he was a listener, and he reached out, and we worked out a little deal where he's you know, I've sort of taught him how to how to make figures. Um, and, and gave him access to my, you know, the platform I used to do that. And so he's, he's making figures for me. Oh, that's um, great. Right now with, with some help. Um, so I'm, you know, lucky enough to where I'm going to, I'm just going to let him, um, let him do it and have, have access to, to figures. I still still rely on, but not have to do much of the work and, you know, I don't know if he wants me to name him, so I won't, but I'm sure he'll listen to this. And I, I just want to, you know, publicly say thank you to him um, for for the help that he's he's provided. And, you know, quite frankly, I probably don't I probably don't even look at that pick six the other day if it wasn't, you know, if I knew I didn't have any figures in there to look at. So he, he yeah. he's already been a, an enormous, enormous help um, and is doing really good work. Wow, that's terrific! Very remind, quick study. So makes me think of you and uh, you and Maloney all those years ago. You you grinding away on figures while he's out at Del Mar having fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's similar. You know, I, I am getting, you know, I'm getting to the point where I, I am feeling the need to sort of give back some and, and help, you know, help those that that reach out to me and, and ask for help. So. Um, if anybody, if anybody does have questions or anything that they they can, they can email me or, or find me through you or anything. Yeah. I'll be happy to, be happy to answer um, and, and help any way I can. 
That's great. And yeah, the contact page on InTheMoneyPodcast.com goes right to my email and I can forward stuff to you and you can be found on Twitter as well. Do you know your handle? It's like a... It's, I think it's, it's at Norman underscore Sean. Okay, there you go. That's not that. That's not that weird. That's pretty. That's pretty straightforward. So that's another, another way to another way to get in touch. Well, that's good. That's good stuff. Now, one topic I had that I wanted to ask you about, and I don't want to forget because did we not have a question or two that we were meant to get to the last time that I forgot about? I don't want to skip that again. Uh, yeah, I'm sure we did. I think we did, but I honestly let can't me look remember what it was. So. Let me see if I can find that. In the meantime, one topic that I haven't had a chance to get into at all um, with my various travels is this uh, NHC controversy stuff. And it feels like it would be a host fail for me not to address it somewhere. And honestly, I feel like this show is as good of a place as any. In case you haven't been paying attention, there was um, a disqualification basically from last year's NHC, a group of players who were, you could see in the data of the plays, very clearly, you know, uh, playing together across entries. I, I didn't look at it that closely, but it was just, it was very obvious, even from the, the high-level look that I took, that there's no way these folks were playing independently in a clear violation of the rules. Um, the names are out there. I, I, I just, I, to be honest, I don't, remember them all and I don't want to name one and not name all like you can find that easily. I'm not trying to protect anybody. Um, my first observation is, you know, I'm a, I'm a glass half full kind of guy. So I'll say it this way. Good on the NTRA for reversing their initial insane stance. <laughs> it seemed like they were trying not to name the players for some unknown reason. And you had the CEO, firing off tweets and it was it was some of the worst pr at first that i've seen in quite some time but kudos on them for reversing course and dealing with the situation they got it right the second time in my opinion with the exception of i'm still unclear about how these punishments are going to work the idea and i just have to say this publicly the idea that the punishment for this actual cheating was the same exact punishment as was meted out to Jonathan was also just, it just shows no understanding of like what's important in life. I need to get that publicly on. I mean, I think I tweeted it, but I have to say that, you know, you're somebody who's talked about, I'd say you're more of a, like a hardliner. You know, I know you don't like the idea of players. Uh, I think I'm speaking correctly when I say you don't even really like the idea of players being backed in, in tournaments by other players who are competing in the same tournament. So uh, I would imagine for you, uh, th this this was an issue you paid some close attention to. What's your what's your take on all this stuff? Yeah, first of all, agree with what you said about the the PR standpoint of it. That was one of the more ridiculous things that I've ever seen from a from an executive. I mean, he was not only firing off tweets about it. I mean, he was just downright chippy about it. Like this is our decision, basically fuck you all is, is the way he came off initially. Like, we're not going to name them. Why do we need to name them? I said to my wife, these contests are essentially public markets. I mean, yeah. this isn't just like the NHC is the only contest there is. I mean, players are going to encounter these guys in every contest they play in. So, like I said, can you imagine the SEC coming out and saying, yeah, we, we, uh, we investigated Company X and, and find them, 
to a tremendous amount and and don't really worry about what they did or who they are, but just know that this happened. Like, you know, and we didn't let them steal your money that time. <laughs> we've taken care of it. It's fine. <laughs> just like, are you kidding me? Like, what are you talking about? To be fair, though, they, the course was reversed. I mean, I, I don't want to be. No, up they deserve much. a they deserve a ton of credit, and. And a lot he of companies he himself, do that. A lot of places you know, double down or say it's my ball. If you don't like it, go home. I mean, I do think, I think it's exactly hard. Right. It's hard to reverse in in some ways. And I, I do want to give the credit. It wouldn't no, they deserve a, They deserve a ton of credit for that. Yeah. Um, for for actually listening to other players. Yes. It, it seems like and and reversing course. I do want to say before I continue, I've got some some four-year-olds out here throwing ball next to me so there might be a little background noise but it's it's pretty cute so we're gonna that's very cute that's very um it wouldn't be a player's podcast without it without a a pet or child interruption it wouldn't i guess i'm gonna have to watch my f-bombs now so i'll try to be a little more (laughs) a little better uh but yeah so they in terms of just the whole contest scene and and the clear cheating that goes on um i think you said it pretty good i'm a i'm a hard one i I don't you know i think you should take all these guys and just ban them i don't think there's any you know i understand it's happened it's happened as as far back as these things started i get it i just think it's ridiculous um i think you're cheating the other players. You're especially these guys who are very public about how how good they are to have all their names come out. Essentially, every single one of them eventually is found out to have taken an edge or is just blatantly cheated in these things. I just think it's it's ridiculous, and I, I just you know I wish the the contest directors and the racetracks would take a harder line and just eliminate this stuff. Um, even in a live money contest, I don't think, look, I've, I've had backing in the, in the BCBC, but I've never had backing from somebody else who's playing a ticket or who's coaching me on how to bet my tickets. I think there's a very distinct difference in the two. I think one is completely inappropriate. And I think the other one is just, I have, you know, not against the rules. Group. I will. I'll I'll chime that in. I mean, but, but you know, you, you, that's you're not fine. That's I, I think you know. I think it should be against the rules. I think okay. when well, that's a different conversation. When somebody who is playing their own entry essentially controls four or five other entries, I think that's a problem, and I think it's unfair to other players. I mean, I honestly would like to just see these contests say. You know, you get one entry a person. I don't even think a, a single person needs two entries. But I'm also always have been very chippy about contest players and the publicity they get versus everyday real horse players. I think it's overdone. I don't think they're that – the kids are gone. I don't think they're that fucking good. <laughs> uh, you know, I would say if if you think you're that good, quit your job and do it that would be my stance but that's just me sort of being an asshole and i completely understand that 
There's so much to unpack. Yeah, I mean, the problem is there's no, you know, we know the computer players want as little publicity as possible, right? Like the people who make, you're you, not unique, but you're rare in somebody who does it professionally who will, you know, gladly accept uh, publicity. I mean, so some of it's just logical. And I feel like celebrating winning players contest gives us a great avenue for that if I were you, I, somebody making it look easy, should be in a healthier economic environment somebody who makes it look easier should be your best friend because you're you're bringing theoretically more people into the game a la poker and the poker boom i do need to go back to one thing you were saying just to give you my and we can agree to disagree on this that's fine that's you know that's what makes horse races the thing that i don't think is accurate about what you were saying about the live bankroll contest is the the idea of one player controlling the entries that's the the only I think you you have an argument to make about if you're playing if you should be allowed to back, like that's an art that that's an argument that I think you could make. But I I do have to uh, put my public disagreement on the idea that in the in the publicized situations that that that, that any one player is is controlling what other people do because you know I've seen it with my own eyes. Yeah, we're just going to disagree on this because yeah, I've, I've seen it too, and I think we just see it differently, and that's yeah. fine. Like yeah. I, I just think. I can say too much on this and I'm not going to. So um, yeah, we just, we just see it differently and that's, that's totally fine. Let's go back to the NHC thing though, which I think is so, I mean, you, you would agree with this statement. It's night and day difference. What's going on in terms of the clarity of how wrong what's, what's going on is true or false. Between the NHC and the live money stuff. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think the NHC has actual data and um, rules. And, and yeah, I, well, I guess they have rules. I'm not super familiar with the rules, and I'm. <laughs> it seems like the rules and a lot of these contests fluctuate based on certain things that I don't even understand. Um, but yeah, they they seemingly do have more set rules and, and actual data behind this. I do yeah. think if you if you looked at at some of the live money contests that that you would have the data. Nobody's going to look at it. Um, oh, it's out but, there. It's out there. But it's also, I mean, but, to me, it comes down to what it says in the rules. And what it says in the rules is clearly prohibited by, um, is clearly prohibited in, in this NHC sense, the idea of coordinating with other, with other entries. And there's a couple other points I want to get to on this, but I'll ask you, I saw a couple of people on Twitter say, okay, so they, so in a lot, in the, in the NHC, they used some of the same picks. Like, why is that unfair? I'll let you, I mean, I could answer it. I could answer my own question here, but I'm going to let you answer why what these guys did is is unfair. Well, I think it's unfair because it just gives them more bullets. You know, it seemed, and I didn't pour through this data either. This would be a better question for Marshall. You know, it seems like what they did was just coordinate plays until there was a race they thought they needed to spread out more, and then they yeah. spread out more. And, and they had a better chance to, to accumulate points on these different entries. And then they chopped the money up at the end. I mean, that's the only way to figure out exactly what's happening is to audit where the money, the prize money ultimately ends up. I mean, if these three guys, you know, each walked away from, uh, from the NHC with $32,000 each and they cashed for 96, well, that's pretty clear they were fucking colluding and yeah. they had a deal worked out. And they're, you know, if the plays all lined up and that's where the money ends up, that's pretty clear what was going on. But you can't, you know, you can't do it that way. 
that's the advantage is it just gives them more shots to leverage to it gives them more leverage exactly and all the money's at the top so being in those positions and then being able to take those shots it does cost you know the argument i've heard you know back in the day i don't think he feels this way now though i suppose i could ask him but i remember chris larmy saying he wasn't that concerned at some point we had this conversation he said something the effect of he wasn't that concerned about cheating colluding in the nhc simply because he didn't believe it cost the average player in other words the colluded entry he didn't think made it any harder for the average player than just another random entry but i think the way these guys did what they did shows that that's not true because they have a bigger chance to get one of those biggest prizes then the other thing i wanted to bring up is I had a lot of people criticize the NTRA for not making it exactly clear what's colluding and what's not. And I'm with the NTRA on this one, because if you put it in the rules over a certain amount of common picks, da, 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 then you're telling people exactly how much they're allowed to cheat. Exactly. And, yeah. And, and I don't believe in that. I think it should be like a pit boss in a casino. If they think you're counting cards, you're out. I feel like horse racing contests to me have been completely like almost deferential to people taking edges from some of the data that I've seen, you know, in contests going way back as if, as if they're worried about the rights of the people cheating. No, that's not how it should be. If you're, if you're doing, if you're breaking the rules, you should be able to get bounced and that's it. And I don't think there's some strong legal case for people colluding to make, I mean, look at how proper gambling deals with 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 this kind of stuff whether and i'm going all the way from card counting to edge sorting and and all this other stuff if they if they suspect that you're that you're doing this stuff and they have a, a whiff of evidence you're gone and i wish horse racing would take more of that effect and for the people wondering how much they can cheat uh in in the nhc how about this just don't talk to those people you do your talk about the races there's nothing wrong with using the same computer program there's nothing wrong with talking about the races but when you start saying i'll play x you play y we're both going to play x here boom you should be gone if you're doing that at all now i know you can't really prove that if you're there's always going to be a certain amount that you can't enforce but let's at least try to make the playing field a lot more level anyway i'm glad that came up about yeah no i completely agree you know and i think that the difference is and this just goes back to the same thing we've talked about on these pods multiple times is you know in vegas they used to bust cheaters and then hire those same people to help them catch more cheaters yeah and they did that because vegas and the books and the and the the house was taking the hit on the cheating and racing it's just other players that take the hit and the people that put on these contests and the racetracks don't give a shit about their customers it doesn't matter to them that the rest of us are getting screwed. They get their cut, and that's fine. And you're right. They've overlooked this stuff for decades, and now they're it's, getting forced into a corner they probably don't want to be in to where they actually are going to have to officiate some of this stuff. Um, but, you know, I would I – would, not to, you know, push another pod on your pod, but Ron Flatter <laughs> had the Maven on the other day. And the Maven was pretty worked up, and he named some names. It was very interesting. Interesting. Um, 
Yes. So I would I would encourage everybody to go listen to that. Well, Ron and Good Freund are both pals, so you can you can yeah. plug them uh, you can plug them all you want, and I will have to. Uh, I will have to check that out. I, I uh, think we're. I think there's a lot of a lot of good points that are hit on. I think you you really did nail it with the the idea of the moral hazard that the moral hazard here and, and of the it's the players taking the hit, not the house. I mean, it's an incredible point, and I think that it's um, yeah, it's part of the reason why oversight generally in horse racing isn't great, and to say the least. And I yeah. think that when you look at um, your point before about yes of course if you were doing if you really wanted to have a contest to, to to have any sort of determination of who the best horse player is of course you'd have one entry the bcbc ideally would have one entry but it's meant to generate handle you know that's mm-hmm. one as, as big of a thing as any and that's why i don't know that we'll ever i don't know that we'll ever get there i mean i think there's room for another contest i mean you know i go back to just tooting my own horn with the way we came up with the whht concept where we did rebuys as opposed to uh, multiple entries and i think it was a i think it was a better way that lends itself more to tv i think there's a limit to how you can televise anything that has multiple entries you know it just doesn't it's not the way it should work as a competition yes i agree so does this bird that's (laughs) clearly we have a i don't know what is that a crow that's what it sounds like a crow. I can't see it, but that's what it sounds like a crow. You're in na- you're in nature, you've got kids around. It sounds like a blast up there. Oh, Anything else you want to get off great. your chest? Uh, any other grievances you want to air about the contest world here? No, not about the contest world. No, I could just get into general life grievances if you'd <laughs> like. Just we could go for three to four more hours. <laughs> I think that's all right. I think we can yeah, leave. I think we're good. We can leave the contest stuff there. What else is going on? Any other any other summers good so far? Kids are doing well. What kind of what kind of plans do they have? Yeah, they're doing good. Uh, Maggie, just the nine year old, just wrapped up her swim season and, and had her, had a good season. We're very very proud of her. Um, now we're on our little family vacation. Um, then, uh, well, sadly, it's it's going by quickly. I mean, school starts in less than a month now for us. So. We'll we'll get back and do uh do a few few other things, but then it's, then we're back into school by mid August, so that's uh, not a whole lot going on. It's funny going to different parts of the world and seeing how they do it. You know, in England, the school kids are just getting out now, and then we come we come back, and you know we we in the Northeast at least have until Labor Day. But yeah, for you, it's already uh, it's already it's already kind of looming, which is which is wild. Yeah. Yeah, it is weird. I mean, because Perrin just got out like a few weeks ago, right? Yeah, mid June, mid June for yeah. her. So that was super fun having her over. Uh, over, she's got her two latest interests dovetailed perfectly with the trip because she's been very interested in Shakespeare, which is wild. I don't exactly oh, wow. know where it came from, but I'm happy about it. We got to go to the Globe Theater multiple times, which was cool. Took a tour too, which was which was really neat. And then she's also because of this musical, there's a hit musical called Six. I don't know if you've heard of this or not, but it's yeah, like I heard of that one. it's the story of the Henry VIII wives with like pop, very modern pop music. And she's gotten super into it and as a result has gotten really into Tudor history. So she re- was like all about going to Hever Castle and Hampton Court and the Tower of London and all these places. So That's awesome. we were, yeah, we had a pretty darn cool 
um, couple of family weeks. We got we got to racing one night. We got out to Windsor for one of the Monday nights, which is always a always a favorite of mine. And we had a lovely. Uh, we did my usual ritual I do with Barry Faulkner the week of Ascot, where you get the the nice pub lunch on the Thames and take the boat down, and it's just it's just such a blast. And for whatever reason, for whatever reason, I tend to do well there. And once again, was able to pull pull some winner. I mean, I was doing the quote unquote doing the work, just like looking at time for him and at the races and and then looking at horses in the paddock. And we, we you know, ended up with a few winners once again. So I, I don't know what it is about me and Windsor, but we, we, we have a good we have a good relationship. And it was oh, good. That's, that know. sounds that sounds incredible. Yeah, it was so fun. It was just great. It, it, great family time. And gotten really into staying like south of the river. We stayed in Bermondsey. Um, which is a neighborhood that, you know, historically does not have the greatest reputation. I think it's mostly known for uh, unruly uh, Millwall supporter slash hooligans. But boy, is it cool now. Uh, all these cool little businesses in the railway arches there. The Colonel Brewery, which is just about my favorite in the world, is there. My friend Moritz runs the front of the house. So it was in there um, many days. And then there was a great uh, bakery cafe place that we went to every day, like a cool ramen place in another arch, another one that does like uh, ham and cheese. I mean, you can just, it's just, uh, we had so much fun just sort of bombing around and combination of doing like fun family, lazy around the apartment, around the Airbnb kind of things, and then mixing in just the right amount of tourist stuff. That sounds, that sounds incredible. I'm yeah, sure the other the other tout I'll give if anybody's in London soon is the immersive guys and dolls show is just tremendous. I hope it comes to Broadway. It's just such a unique staging. That was actually our Fourth of July. Our Fourth of July plan was to go and and do that. We figured we'd get a little uh, we'd get a little bit of America in, and it's fun. They have like carts. It's it's basically like takes place in Times Square as it would, and then you're if you're on the floor, you're in the audience for Times Square, and there's carts selling pretzels and popcorn before the show and there's a little pop-up cocktail bar at, at the as part of the intermission and then there's a like a little dance party after i mean the whole thing is just wild it's it's uh it's such a smart cool production if you if you're in london and you haven't seen that uh go and go and check it out for sure i i, I thought of you because i know you love that city yeah i love it yeah i can't wait to go back yeah we got to get you racing maybe ask it next year yeah, that's that's certainly possible. That's Hong funny. Kong's on at a reasonable time there. I know. I, you know, it's funny. I uh, I talk with a guy who's based in Dubai. Um, that's Hong Kong, or for a living, I guess. And uh, he he does Saratoga every summer. And he he got here for opening week and, and sent me a message yesterday and said, <laughs> he said, man, I don't I don't know how you play from this time zone every day. Or every week, you know, it's just awful. I just laugh. I was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty brutal sometimes, man. Is he going to be up there the whole time? I'd love to, I'd love to chat. Yeah, yeah, we need to get together. He'll definitely be there. Um, he's there the. There's one weekend I think he's gone for a wedding, but he'll be there the week on there. So we'll all try to, we'll all try to get together. He's that a great guy, perfect. really sharp yeah. horse player. Um, well, always good to talk to people who you know do the are involved in this in this crazy side of the business. Uh, so I'd appreciate that very much. What do you, anything in particular other than sitting around and gambling, what, anything in particular that you're looking forward to for, for Saratoga? Uh, JK and G did the lifestyle show already, but we can get a couple of Borman recommendations here at the end of this, uh, this show. Um, 
you know I, the thing i like the most about saratoga is just is just walking around the you know the city you know you can walk to the track you can walk down to broadway and get a good meal somewhere um you, you know getting shake shack at the track is one of my favorite things i just i like it you know i i don't i don't get into the the lifestyle stuff as much just you know since i don't drink anymore and you know when i'm up there i like to be you know t-shirt and shorts not suit and tie um so i just i love to go on the you know back in the what are they called the backyard and and hang out with paul and duke and those guys and bet some races back there and i love to just hang out you know wander around the track and grab you know grab shake shack or grab some some hatties or <laughs> lobster roll or something i that's what i like the most about it is is just you know the walkability and the and the casualness of it you're making me hungry <laughs> i know i'm getting hungry too you were talking about some of that food over overseas and i started getting hungry i have yet to have my morning pastry <laughs> <laughs> You're you're gonna love our new area. We're down in the stretch this year, and uh, yeah, hopefully people can come say hi. We always encourage people to say hi when they they, they see us around uh, the track around town. It's one of the fun things about Saratoga. But yeah, I think I think you're you'll like where we're set up for for Travers this year. It's good good viewing, a little breezy. I, we're gonna have some fun. Yeah, Marshall says it's great. And you know, one thing I need to mention that that I'm really looking forward to is hanging out with our man Vagvolgi. Yes. You know, I've started, you know, we, we started, you know, doing some stuff together. Um, but we've, we've never really sat down in the same, same area and bet horses together. So I'm looking forward to just hanging out with him, you know, that week and, and, and playing some horses, uh, and, and collaborating a little bit. That's, I got, I, I be stupid not to mention that because i'm really looking forward to that yeah he's uh he, he i believe if the pattern holds will be will be extremely active up there in august i think they're just right around the time that i'm getting there so yeah i don't know where he's if he has a box or wh- where he's going to be but hopefully we can get him with us in the in the stretch area too it's going to be yeah it's sure. going to be a fun summer and i'm looking forward to kicking it off out in del mar uh, we got tons of content coming this week two different shows covering monmouth one from a fixed odds perspective, one from a tote perspective. We're going to do a Del Mar opening day special. Um, yeah. And, and the Del Mar lifestyle show. So there, there, there's going to be more than a show a week. I'm making up for, I'm making up for lost time and my wandering around the UK. As for these shows, Sean, I mean, I think we'll just come on and do them this summer as appropriate, right? If you have good stories to tell, we'll bring you on here. And if uh, we, we can always take uh, weeks off, but we'll, we'll just, why don't we just reach out back and forth production meeting in the middle of the show here and just decide when the next one is no reason to, no reason to force it. If you're, if you're staying pretty chill. Yeah, no, that sounds good to me. I'm, uh, I'm always willing to do it. So we can do it, you know, whenever you want to, or whenever something interesting happens or, you know, talk about some of the stakes at Saratoga, whatever, whatever works. I'm good. That actually is a good idea. Maybe do something ahead of the Whitney and, and, and the Travers. That's, that's a, that's a super idea to, to sort of see if we can see if we can pull in Paul or Duke. Yeah. That's, that's not a bad idea at all. You know, I should really get off my butt and find a sponsor for this stuff, but I just, I kind of love, it is fun to have a show that's completely unsponsored where we can truly say whatever the hell and not really have to worry about a darn thing, which is nice. Yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah, I would agree. Let's just keep it sponsored. Maybe the NTRA will sponsor the next one. <laughs> I think the chances of that have gone down after today. Or contest it? players. We can just get like a contest player <laughs> union to sponsor. I'll tell you, our, 
or the, the perfect, the perfect, this is ridiculous to be talking about this on air, but the perfect match might be our friends at Mill Ridge. They, 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 they love it. They love it when we get into to all this. Yeah. Interesting, uh, yeah. The price of the he's game. He'll definitely do it. All right, buddy. We're going to let you go unless you have a closing thought. No. Um, well, yeah, my, my closing thought is, you know, when you're, when you're handicapping betting, you know, Saratoga, Del Mar, you know, do some good handicapping, but really try to think of where the liquidity is going to go and where you could go to to be opposed to where all the liquidity is going to go. And then that's that's what I'm going to try to focus on. And that's what, you know, in today's world, I think everybody needs to focus on is it's not necessarily I had the winner, but I had the fifth choice winner and, and scored. That's... Are you enough of a, a baseball fan to know who Wee Willie Keeler is? Because that's what I thought of as you were saying that. You know, the name sounds familiar, but I don't know exactly. He had a no, famous expression. His, his approach his approach to batting is what you're talking about. He said, hit them where they ain't. Right. Yeah, I've heard that saying. I didn't know it was Wee Willie Keeler. I'm pretty sure that's Wee Willie Keeler. Uh, I said baseball fan. I should have said baseball lunatic. I'm now tempted to do 15 minutes on your Reds, by the way. Oh, my oh, God. God. Yeah, well, How- you know, if we recorded this a few days ago, I could say my first place Reds, but they've since slipped into into second place. But I, I, you know, gotta I, say, I told you early in the year you were skeptical, and I said they were – I didn't say they were going to be this good, but I said they were going to be fun. Yeah, no, you did, and I knew they. I knew they had a lot of young talent out there. They're ahead of schedule, I think. I think yes. This oh, is just for sure. all sort of – sort of gravy at this point but you know i'd like to see him i'd like to see him continue and make a little playoff run that'd be fun is dela cruz has he approached like folk hero status yet in in kentucky and uh in ohio yeah i mean to some extent um you know he's obviously young and needs to needs to keep getting better but he's you know, hitting for the cycle already, and then stealing second, third, and home the other day. You know, he's 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 up there, and then yeah, it's uh, he's he's fun to watch, that's for sure. And then, oh, did you see the home run he hit in Washington the other night? No, I didn't see when that. They, oh, it was great. They, I think, his first at bat, the uh, is it Davy Martinez is the manager of the. They checked his bat, and then the next at bat, he jacks one out and points at his bat and points to them. It's like, check yes, it now. Uh, it again. <laughs> so good. That is awesome. Oh. It's nice to, It's nice to see the Reds have a little edge to them again. I mean, they've been so vanilla for so long. Um, I have no hope that the, that the ownership won't screw this up, though. That's, that's <laughs> the problem is they're just idiots. But it's been a fun season. Oh, that's great stuff. All right, Sean, we will be talking soon. Appreciate you very much and the time you spend. Appreciate all the listeners, especially those who reach out. Open invitation to do that from me and from Sean. Keep it locked on the network this week. Tons of great coverage coming for Sean Borman. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your photos. <laughs>